welcome back to Rupture Radio, a look at news, politics and culture from a socialist perspective. I'm Kean Prendival and today I'm joined by Paul Murphy, TD, who has kindly agreed to explain the news to me, um, in particular, uh, the recent Robert Troy saga, which I've been half on holidays for the last couple of weeks, so I haven't been following in depth. So you'll have to um, you'll have to fill me in on on, on what's going on, <laughs> um, Paul. You, you'll have to do the, you'll have to do the heavy lifting Sorry, on this one. A lot has happened in the last six weeks yeah, or so, so. I think I have to check when the first article came went up on the the Ditch website. Six weeks? I thought it was two uh, or three no, weeks. No, the very first article. I'll, I'll find it here now. I think would have been. Um, I I think. Six weeks ago, I think it was, I think maybe even eight weeks ago. Um, it started with a relatively innocuous article um, by the Ditch website, which I encourage everyone to read on theditch.com, um, about how Robert Troy was a landlord and was charging a bunch of money for a apartment that he owned in Dublin. I, I think that was August 4th. Uh, um, landlord Fianna Fáil minister lets one bed flat for more than fifteen hundred a month, seventy two percent above HAP rates. Um, so oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, weeks time has gone. Time has gone faster than I realised. <laughs> <laughs> slower or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so that came out first, and that was just by the ditches digging into it. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so the the, the issue there was. And what was the issue? What was the issue with that? I mean, that was really just highlighting the reality, which I think is at the the essence of what this issue is about, actually, or a very important part of what this issue is about, that, look, this is a landlord's government and there's lots of landlords in the government. They're profiting from the housing crisis. Um, just that essential uh, issue. There was at that stage um, no suggestion that he hadn't filled in his forms correctly, that he wasn't registered as a landlord, etc., with the the residential tenancies board um, for another property. Um, but obviously the ditch had all this other stuff ready to go. And this was just the the start of what they called the, the Troy story. That was Troy story one. I think in the end there was six different Troy stories on the, the ditch website. And one of the angles that I saw was at that first story was that um, like he was renting out the apartments for way, way above the official HAP rates, the, the, the HAP, what are meant to be the maximum rents kind of thing. Um, uh, so there was sort of like a two-facedness to a government minister on the one hand setting these rates and then on the other hand, even the, the properties that he's rented out himself don't fall within the, 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 the HAP limits. Like, Yeah, I mean, he was claiming that it was a very reasonable uh, rate, but yet it was above the HAP limits. So... Revealing on the one hand that, like, look, rents are wildly out of control, as obviously everyone knows. And secondly, that the HAP limits um, don't get you to close to what you need to be able to access any properties. I mean, every day of the week, I deal with people who are looking for a HAP property. This is kind of one of the main ways the government tries to, quote unquote, address the housing crisis, which is funnel money to private landlords through the HAP scheme, up close to a billion euros a year in all the different schemes. Um, but for... You, you, you simply can't find properties within the HAP limits, uh, certainly in Dublin. I presume it's the same uh, right across the, the country. So it, it highlights that. Okay, so then like that story came out, but in a sense, that's just one more government TD is a landlord kind of story. Um, uh, uh, but there's a huge amount, loads of the TDs are landlords. Um, 
Uh, uh, so what then, how come it became a bigger, how come it got any bigger than that? Yeah. What happened next? The, the, the essence of the next kind of part of the story, um, and this is a crucial part, is that it was revealed that Robert Troy had not declared multiple of his properties on the register of members' interests, which all TDs have to fill out when you're elected, and then um, on a yearly basis. Um, there was a whole series of different properties. So a number of different properties that he didn't declare, four different properties in four different years that he had, had not declared. Um, and then also linked to that revelations about the fact that the, the, he had bought properties. There was one particular property he bought for, I think, about 80,000 euros from a Fianna Fáil councillor and then flipped to the a council um, three months later for 160,000 uh, euros and didn't declare that sale to a uh, council. Um, that was then disputed. That, that is, that's quite a profit margin in three months. Yeah, I mean, he claimed on, he did a RT radio interview in the last few days um, where he said, well, he only cleared a personal profit pre-tax of, I think it was 38,000. It was 30-something thousand uh, euro. And he said, well, they did a lot of renovations. It was in very bad condition, etc." But certainly it paints a picture of... Uh, you know, feed a fall minister in their spare time, wheeling and dealing in property, making significant uh, money and um, having all this work, you know, with these workers presumably available to do the work on this and then making big money and a pattern of selling properties to council. So he sold one property to um, Westmeath County Council um, and sold another uh, property to Longford County Council. And... Is part of the query or issue being raised that were they were they being sold above? I saw one thing saying that the property sold was the highest value that any property in that estate had had sold for. So, like, I don't know if that if that it was that part of it, or is it just was part of the was it just that he didn't declare it? What was the? I mean, the, the main issue. It, it's true that um, that it was at relatively high price. Um, so on the 15th of August 2019, the council, Westmeath County Council, paid Troy €163,000 for a four-bed uh, when the um, sales of similar properties in the same estate in the same period of time were registered for between €135,000 and Um So certainly that was a part of the story in the ditch. But the, the main issue was that he hadn't declared that he owned the property in that year because he claimed, oh, I don't, I didn't have to declare it because I didn't own it on the 31st of December, even though the form is very, very clear. On every page, it says, if you owned it any time from the 1st of January to the 31st of December, you have to declare it. So he didn't declare the fact that he owned the property and he didn't declare the sale of it to the, the council. That, that, would be, that would be some technicality sort of opt-out if you could... Do whatever you want between if, like January first, so long as so long as you like Cinderella rules, so long as you sell all your shares by the the thirtieth of December. Or exactly, whatever. and that was that was like he did it year or get like a year after year after year he did this. So he he made a statement, uh, the statement what he made probably about nine or ten days ago, where he kind of fessed up to a whole load of things, and he went back and he corrected his register of member in, members' interest for every year going back to 2011 when he was first elected. That's 11 years of corrections. And uh, so included within that is at least four different properties that were not registered on years they should have been registered with three company directorships that could have been registered. 
uh, that should have been registered. And what emerged and it became very significant in the statement for the first time was he said, quote, I have two rental accommodation scheme contracts with Westmeath County Council. Um, so that's a contract whereby he's a landlord. He does a deal for a long term lease with the council, which then in turn uses that as kind of pseudo social housing to take people off the housing list. But he remains in ownership of it. And while it was a bit of a gray area as to whether he should have had to declare his sale of properties to the council because Sippo said, well, you have to declare um, sale of goods or services to a public body and property isn't, strictly speaking, um, uh, a good, uh, which is, you know, a very technical defense. But uh, how, how is property not a good? Um, because if it's not a good or a service, what is it? It's, it's just it's a, property. It's a whole like, third like, category. There's a legal definition of goods which does not include uh, property. But obviously that doesn't make any sense. That's like a real technicality to rely on. But the problem with the RAS tenancies is that it's very clear that that is a service. Um, it's a service to provide, like, uh, accommodation. And so that definitely should have been declared and that he hadn't uh, declared that. And again, then it brought into focus the reality, look, this guy is benefiting from the housing crisis and the government's response to the housing crisis, i.e. not building public housing, instead throwing money at landlords. And then it also emerged he had spoken in the doll calling for more money to go to HAP and RAS uh, tenancies. It later emerged he had a whole series of HAP tenancies as well, I think five or six different, I think it was five different HAP tenancies, which is a, a similar kind of scheme uh, to, to RAS. Um, and again, hadn't declared that, but yet was lobbying in the doll for more money to go to landlords who, who benefit from, from these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, so... Uh, then there was another angle on it that I saw, which was some issue over, like, planning permission and fire certs and stuff like that. But then he was saying that he didn't need planning permission for some apartment. So that, that's, um, you, you, you skipped ahead of, there's one more scandal in between. Oh, oh okay, sorry, <laughs> no, sorry, no, sorry. I don't blame I, you. I, haven't, I, only, I only know about this from the Blind Boy podcast. <laughs> um, why wasn't I on the Blind Boy podcast, huh? Um because you're not Blind Boy. I don't oh, know if you... I never the Blind Boy to podcast it. is just Blind oh, okay. Boy. Oh, my God, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was also on the David McWilliams podcast, so maybe you could get on that. On that. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the, one, the one you've skipped over is the fact then it emerged that one of the properties he owned was not registered with the RTB, so the Residential Tenancies Board. So, again, just like the register, the requirement to register the member's interest, it's a legal requirement in the Ethics and Public Office Act. Um, it is a legal requirement for all landlords to register their properties with the Residential Tenancies Board under the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, it wasn't registered. And then when it emerged, he blamed the agent. Uh, he said, oh, I assumed that the agent had done it and that's their fault or whatever. But like legally, the responsibility is with him. So now we have an unregistered landlord with the RTB as well as being unregistered in terms of the, the member's interests. So that's another breach um by this by robert troy and is there so not like not breaching the ethics thing for the doll or not being registered as a landlord is there any legal like ramifications for that um, does, or is it sort of just a slap on the wrist don't do it no, again you you for for not being registered with the residential tenancies board um you can be fined or go to prison um i think it's like 6 months in prison uh, thousands of euros fine i think are the are the penalties but it does seem like the rtb takes a very like softly softly approach instead applies a fine for each month that you haven't been registered encourages you to be registered etc um we won't we we won't hold our breath 
for the dawn raids on landlords that are not registered it, it, with the RTV. Exactly. I mean, right now, so today when we're recording this podcast in the papers, there's multiple TDs who have who have properties who who have properties that are declared on the register of members' interests, so the journalists can go and check them out, which are not registered with the Residential uh, Tenancies Board. Um, I mean, one one funny part of it in terms of Robert Troy was that when interviewed, he was like, oh, I, I registered that property. And the journalist was like, when? It was August 2022, which is now. <laughs> so he, he, he registered it. Like, and this emerged because he some journalist was asking him, oh, he was like, oh, it is registered. And some journalist asked him for like the, the number, you know, uh, and the number begins with 08 2022. And journalist was like, does that mean it's registered now? Uh, which is precisely Obviously, just before coming on to this interview. So, I mean, I, I've written to the Residential Tenancy Board asking them to conduct an investigation into this, and I've written two complaints to the Standards and Public Offices Commission, who are responsible for investigating breaches of the ethics legislation, which clearly the failure to declare four properties, three uh, three company directorships, and two RAS contracts, they clearly are a, a breach of that. So we'll see what, what comes out of it without holding our breath. You're, you're bringing letter writing to a whole new level. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and, okay, so, but uh, but then there was something yes, then... the fire safety. With the, the, the fire safety plan and information thing. But I definitely saw, that I did see him pushing back and saying that he didn't require either of... Uh, but anyway, maybe yes. you can... Um, so this, this is a relation to a property that he owned in Dublin. I mean, there's just more and more of these properties. He's got all these deals. You know, it's all part of a picture of this wheeler dealer, developer on the side, landlord on the side kind of thing. So he... He bought a property in Dublin, which was, I think, five or six bedsits. He converted into, I think it was three apartments. Um, and the issue was that the, the ditch reported and then the Irish Independent reported that Dublin City Council said he did need a fire safety certificate for the property after the work was done. I, you know, it's significant enough, like change in terms of how the property is set up that you need to get a new fire safety certificate to say it's still fire safe. He argued on the lunchtime radio that he was on in RTE that he he said he was completely, uh, this question was asked of him. Do you have fire safety certs for all your properties? He said, yes. Um, but and, and then he later released a statement saying, like, it's not the case. He didn't need the fa- fire safety search. C- certainly from what the ditch had and from what the Irish Independent had, the Dublin City Council sources seemed pretty clear that he did need a fire safety search. But he still seemed to dispute it. Um, but this was kind of coming towards the end when he was about to resign. Uh, and so, so far, that hasn't been, like, definitively established. I, I think that, like, he definitely needed it, but it certainly looks like it, and the way it's been reported looks like he, he needed it. But, like, it's so... It's so annoying. Like, I don't know if, if you've ever been on social welfare and you've been signing on and you have to give them your bank accounts or you hear these nightmare stories of inspectors coming out mm-hmm. I, I had it once I got cut off the door once because an inspector knocked on my door uh, um, and I wasn't in at that time yeah. you know uh, um, and then like they were like oh you weren't in I was like what am I supposed to be am I supposed to be out knocking like for looking for jobs or am I supposed to be yeah, home? For, yeah. <laughs> you know anyway but like the way that they treat you know uh, uh, people on social mm-hmm. welfare inspecting every penny uh, um, uh, grilling them and like if if there's a single thing wrong, they'll get cut off and then you're cut off for a couple of weeks. Uh, um, whereas it seems here, like he gets caught. He didn't 
do the forms. He didn't fill in all the forms that he was meant to do. Maybe, maybe it was just uh, a fool. Maybe it was just a mistake or whatever. But but he didn't do it. And like, what's the consequences? He, you know, uh, for La- and not just uh-huh. for him. I just mean for landlords exactly. in exactly. general. Even the way the RTB uh-huh. generally has a very light touch approach. I mean, it's clearly one rule for them, another rule for everybody else. Um, something to add is that, look, he's, he's Minister for Company Regulation, so he's responsible I for know, this kind of stuff that. for he's companies. Li- he's you know? literally the one exactly. that's meant to be telling companies, well, you have to fill in your paperwork, you have to tick the boxes and, and all that, and he's not... And that's the point, that is that, like, like, the best case scenario for him, so if we take his words at everything... You know, so like he's telling the truth 100%. He just made a mistake in 2011 and in 2012 and in 2013, all the way up to 2022 repeatedly. And he also made a mistake in terms of not registering his property. His his best case defense is that he's very deeply incompetent, can't fill out a very, very simple form year after year after year. Like, and, and, and he really wanted to clearly hang on and like... Leo Varadkar came out in his defense calling him top class Miguel Martin said well look the guys apologized it's made he's made a mistake you know they, they all came out to, to defend him and the idea was that like he was going to continue in his 140,000 euros main job being a junior minister as well as having 11 properties on the side various deals with councils etc with literally no consequence despite apart from the fact saying look I'm very embarrassed and like you know, even in, we'll talk about it in a minute, I presume, but in his final statement resigning, he has a real go at the ditch in newspaper mm-hmm. or just online website. But like, which also is kind of a bit contradictory because he's like, I'm very embarrassed that I made all these mistakes. But he didn't, according to him, he didn't know he made these mistakes until the ditch revealed them. So he actually should be very thankful that the ditch revealed these mistakes so that he could correct them, so he could correct his embarrassment, etc. Whereas obviously the reality is he was embarrassed about the fact that this stuff was exposed, that he was caught in yeah. relation to it. I'm very sorry that exactly. I got caught. I mean, that's, um, that's what it was. And was it in that, we will come on to it, but there was also this thing where he was saying he's not a person of privilege. Was that in his exit he, statement or was that early yes, on? Yes, it was quite a, no, this is his exit statement, which is now a couple of days ago. Um, didn't he go on, yeah, so he went on Wednesday night. Today, it's when we're recording, it's Friday the 26th. He went on the night of Wednesday the 24th. Uh, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a statement. I saw someone compare it to like the, the Golden Cleric Awards in Father Ted's speech, you know. Um, <laughs> it's quite something. Like, I'll give you some of the best bits. <laughs> to remind people of what that was, that, that's like, and now a list of people that I hate <laughs> yes, or something like that. Exactly. And Father Ted goes on and on and on. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, this is the best bit, I think. Um, while I accept my mistakes, I would like to state that the narrative being put forward by some media and some in the opposition that landlords are villains is simply wrong. I am acutely aware of the sensitivities of the housing situation in Ireland and a continuous basis work to assist constituents address their housing needs. But vilifying landlords is not the answer and it will not help the problem. I personally will not apologise for being a landlord. I bought my first house at the age of 20 as I went straight into a job after school, so I was in a position to purchase my first property then. I'm not a person of privilege. I've not been brought up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I've worked for all I, I have. And that really, I think, stuck in people's <laughs> throats. Like, you know, the guy has 11 <laughs> properties. I am not privileged. All I did was buy my first house and at then, 20. And then go on and on and buy more and more. I mean, it doesn't... Yeah. 
it's just not real like do you know what I mean it's not in the context of housing crisis you know like presumably Fianna Fáil have PR people presumably that statement somebody else looked at it before or like a whole series of people looked at that statement before it was published and said yeah that seems that'll go down well this surely will address the critics and that's the thing I mean I think (laughs) in a way the lasting political influence for this for the government is to draw even more attention to the fact that these people are wildly out of touch they're disproportionately to an extreme degree our landlords are representing the landlords interests like that's what it really draws attention to as a, as well as like the kind of flagrant breaches of the ethics legislation that he was involved in but it's like you know what I mean in terms of the error of judgment just from their own point of view by Varadkar and Martin and and the Green Party which mm-hmm. really didn't say anything till right at the end when then Eamon Ryan was like oh it should be investigated which was just kicking to touch on the issue um, like even from their own point of view not realising that this is a very bad look for them um, you know so- yeah, because cause like, what what was the response? Uh, um, it seems like at no stage did Varadkar or, or no, they they Martin all said he was a great Martin. fellow the whole way. They were never, they didn't even really. They yeah. just said he he acknowledges mistakes, you know, and kind of like fair play to him for it. They didn't acknowledge that like this is a real problem that you can just breach the ethics legislation, etc. Um, Catherine Murphy makes a point. She's an article in the Irish Times today, which actually is a good point that like Neil Martin, when asked about the weakness of our ethics legislation, says, "Well, look, sure, people get caught doing it, breaking it all the time. Like that shows it works. And like, no, it doesn't show work. It shows it doesn't work whatsoever. So they completely underestimated the significance of it, and they were determined to let him continue on. And it was just more and more stuff coming out, which I think led to him eventually having to go. Oh, and then." And what about from the opposition? The other, like other opposition parties, obviously PVP were uh, uh, out at the uh, the front. Um, but um, well, that's the the government first. What were, what were the Greens saying? The Greens said actually? nothing until until the Wednesday, uh, when Eamon Ryan said, "Oh well, it should be investigated by Sipo." I the complaint that I have made should be investigated, and then that it should be comp- investigated by the complaints uh, the, by the Committee on Procedures and Privileges, which is a committee in the Dáil, which actually then came out on Thursday and said, "Actually, we can't investigate this. Sipo has to do their work first. Um, and that was being like talked up in RTE in particular as being like like as if that was the key factor that led to his resignation. When actually, I think the analysis that other journalists have that was just him kicking for touch making it go down the road was is, is a more accurate assessment. I It wasn't some sharp intervention against Robert Troy. Mostly they just ignored it. Um, so yeah, the government parties had, and, had no problem with it. And the, like I, it seems um, from the very limited amount that I heard, uh, um, I didn't hear a huge amount from Sinn Féin uh, um, on this. It did seem like whenever there was a comment or from the opposition it seemed to be yourself or that was but, but what were what were Sinn Féin or Labour or yeah, the, uh, Sock Dems or in, anything in general but, the opposition parties were very slow to react to it and quite um, minimal in terms of what they were demanding so I don't think any of them were like like dealing with the issue for quite a while in the period of this what three and a half weeks or whatever um, that, that this took place in Um then when it emerges a significant issue and they were asked for comment, um, the likes of Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats gave statements saying, well, you know, he should answer in the doll. He should come and give a statement in the doll. Um, Labour, something similar, but then also really emphasising, like, landlords have a very important role to play. Landlords shouldn't be vilified. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, landlords, there's no problem with landlords in the doll voting on things that affect their material interests. Um, and like... 
that was all fine in the sense that like we also would have favored um Robert Troy coming before the doll if he was still in place uh, whenever the doll came came back in you know in the middle of September but I mean we, we were the only ones to just say clearly he needs to resign because in a sense we we, we had enough information like we didn't really need more information yeah, yeah. like what he admitted to in terms of like multiple breaches of the ethics legislation a breach of the requirement to register a property with the RTB that that was enough for him to go do you know what I mean and I think but even I think even like how can you stay on as being the minister for regulation mm-hmm. having said that you like you forms. repeatedly for 11 years like failed to comply with regulation exactly um so it, there's a certain question about why were people slow i think there can be um you know there can be a sense of oh we don't want to personalize it against robert troy and sure i don't, I don't know the guy i don't have a problem with him i'm not personalizing it but like someone's a minister they have responsibilities Ooh. and so on it's fair enough to like I have literally, I had literally never heard of Robert Troy until this time. Really? I'm like, no, I, I, I yeah, I, 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 no, I, I, I knew who he was, but I'm heavily involved in politics. Um, like, <laughs> so I think, I think that can be one thing. Like, I think people who are kind of in politics can kind of, in a way, have too much personal sympathy for people. You know what I mean? When like, it's not some personal tragedy for people to lose a ministership and go back to being a TD on 100 test euros a year, you know? And I think that can maybe make people pull their punches a little bit. And I think. Yeah, a certain factor can be, oh, well, are there TDs in our party who have properties? Are they registered? Is everything okay? And maybe a nervousness about uh, going there from, from that point of view. Mm-hmm. And it does seem that, like, from all the coverage and all the quotes and all that, that the right wing are think that there's some like witch hunt on against landlords yes. or whatever that there's like the oppressed minority like, of our time they're an oppressed, yeah, exactly like won't somebody please take up the poor landlords yes. you know? this is quite remarkable but uh, that's, that's the way they, they, they're talking about it you know um, and like you know did you did you ever get any backlash I know I saw your speech sort of went viral there in the doll saying like what's mm-hmm. the purpose of landlords they're just parasites but was there, was there ever any um, backlash against that no um no, I'm sure it will be at some stage, but uh, no, I said something similar on Ireland AM the other day. Um, but like, yeah, I think like it's this idea that like, one, just to be clear, you know, he, he Robert Troy didn't have to resign because he was a landlord. He had to resign because he repeatedly broke all the ethics legislation, you know, and he tried to confuse the issues like I think in a, in a conscious way. Um, but two, the suggestion that landlords are, you know, some sort of oppressed minority is clearly absolutely ridiculous. Um, something like 15 billion euros a year is transferred from like all of society to landlords and um, that's that's tripled in, in the last 15 years or so in Ireland um, a billion say that again 50, 15, 15 billion, billion euros, euros a year it goes in rent to landlords, to landlords. Oh, yeah. um, my god uh, and is that, is that that's including all this money that they get from the exactly, state that includes the billion the euros that they get from the, that, yeah, yeah. the state through Happen and Raz um, in the doll like they are enormously we can't afford these landlords anymore that's what the new line should be we're living beyond our means we cannot afford landlords anymore um, in the doll like they're so enormously overrepresented right so about one in 50 people in society in general are a landlord whereas the new figures emerging about the doll suggest that the figure it could be as high as it's somewhere between one in three and one in four TDs are landlords. So, like, if you're a TD, you're about 15 times more likely to be a landlord than if you're just a regular uh, person. And obviously the influence that they have, like, you know, behind every measure. Like, you say that on the last day of the doll, the last voting day of the doll, the doll voted down People Before Profits rent reduction bill, which would make things much better, would reduce rents, reduce have real rent caps linked to income across the country, 
would have a huge Im- impact for lots of ordinary people, all these renters across the country. Um, landlords would lose out. And it was voted down, and it was voted down by landlords. If the landlords in the doll hadn't been voting that day, it would have passed. Um, and that like gets to the essence of the fact that like not only are landlords not an oppressed, vilified minority, in fact, we have a government that definitely rules in their interests and is very influenced by the class of landlords. Uh-huh. It's like a sort of great replacement theory type bollocks. <laughs> anyway, um, what was it saying? Is there anything, is there no, um, like, is that not a conflict of interest? Is that not uh, something? I mean, it is. The doll rules just don't care about <laughs> it. I know, but the, from the doll rules point of yes. view, there's no problem Correct. being a landlord and voting down rent controls? Correct. Well, from the doll rule point of view, there's a problem if you don't declare it in your register and you are also meant uh-huh. to declare it when you're speaking about it. You're meant to be like, oh, by the way, I'm a landlord, um, but there's no problem. But retrospectively, Robert Troy hadn't declared all of that he should have declared. That's true. But like, his votes won't his be votes struck, won't be struck from the record. record. Um, but, yeah. but thankfully, like I think this issue, which we've been raising for quite a while, about the problem with landlords voting on things relating to renters' rights and so on, um, it is now coming like mm-hmm. front and centre. So Rory Hearn had a good article about it in the last couple of days saying, look, it's, just, it's not right that these people are able to vote on these things. And I see that Dara O'Brien, the Fianna Fáil housing minister, was asked about it on News Talk today um, and said, oh no, of course landlords should be able to vote. But it's it's emerging as a key issue because I think, look, you know, if all the landlords in the doll couldn't vote, it wouldn't transform things overnight because Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael still represent the interests of landlords, even if they're not all personally landlords. But it does highlight the disconnect and the reality of who they're they're running the country for. So I think it is, you know, an important, sharp issue that will uh, emerge and where the majority of people think, yeah, it doesn't make sense that you can vote down a rent reductions bill because undoubtedly, or at least partially influenced by the fact that you're going to lose income as a as a consequence of that. Okay, um, so then, what then, what brought him down in the end? So all of this was going on, two or three weeks, like, scandal after scandal, um, but it seemed like right up until the last minute, uh, Varadkar and Martin anyway were out saying, he's a good guy, top class, uh, um, and all that. What? What then? I, I mean, in his bunker, what happened? I mean, his interview didn't go particularly well on Brian Dobson. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, he, it were, then then it was then like eleven properties. You know, there's eleven properties, and that's people like wow. Um, uh, the fire safety stuff was unresolved, and was was he was forced to issue it after kind of clearing the air finally, and not he's saying he's not going to speak about it again until he speaks about it in the doll. The next day, he's forced to issue a statement about the fire safety issue, so he's clearly under significant pressure. Then the Irish Times had another story coming, um, which was due to be published on the Thursday uh, about another property of his, which uh, local residents had objected to. The way the work was being done had threatened to go to the media about it, had threatened to make complaints about it. There's various aspects of how the work was being done and having a negative impact on the on the area. Um, I, I, so so it was just drip, drip. There was continuation of, of stuff coming and it was clear that it wasn't going to go away. Um, I mean, Martin and Varadkar are very, and apparently behind the scenes and so on, are clear that like he wasn't pushed. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you have to resign. Um, mm-hmm. It was more that he saw the writing on the wall and like that this issue wasn't going to go away and decided he had to, he had to go. Okay. Let's actually come, we'll come up, we'll continue on that one second, but I think 
Um, I think I now am understanding of the meme that I meant to ask about this. So this day last week, I scrolled through Facebook and I was confused because I saw this post that you put up of, um, I don't know what it is. It's a, a man, a young guy looking <laughs> fucking nervously into the distance, a young woman sort of shouting in his ear, uh, um, gesticulating. They're clearly at some sort of some music festival or something, is it? You just not you missed this entire meme. I didn't. I missed the forget about the Robert Troy aspect of the meme, like just the meme so, entirely. Yeah. So there was this. So there was so this. this photo, it's, it's like okay. it's a flip side. The, the, I, I, the classic meme of a guy in a nightclub shouting into a young woman's ear, where she's clearly yeah. not listening. So it's like a reverse of that that became a popular meme maybe a week ago. Oh, I was yeah. Um, okay, so I saw this photo on your Facebook page with a caps lock written post as previously stated I had been under the mistaken impression only properly in my possession on exactly. 31st of December of the registrable year was it to be registered and blah 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 okay, I saw that I was like what does this mean <laughs> that's very funny right because then, someone contacted me and I was like are you in trouble over registering your properties or something I, I didn't put that on there I put it on Twitter like it makes sense on Twitter you know because like on Twitter a lot of people are using this meme I did that but someone else okay. took it and put it on my Facebook page post where potentially it makes less sense because like those kind of memes don't really go around on Facebook so I wonder how many people thought that like I was confessing something about my property <laughs> register oh well well I also got I got a couple of messages from people saying what's this about and I was like I don't really understand so I think I now understand the politics of it which is that the the caps lock part that's just like that, is, that was the, the mode of the of the meme it was, that's it was Robert Cap- Troy no, that's Robert Troy that's his statement that's a statement from about a week ago yeah. um, before he went and the caps lock is just to make it seem like it's, that's the style of the meme, the, meme. He's, the guy is clearly sh- the girl in this case is clearly shouting at the guy okay <laughs> so then what, what's the picture that's, that's the <laughs> meme like, that's the meme that became it just became a, a widespread meme okay we need to we need and- to have a, a, a meme session <laughs> Okay, but the the feeling from it is meant to just be somebody over-explaining exactly. something to you or something. Exactly. Uh, uh, um, and you're not interested anymore? Kind of the like, other person... Well, you know, yeah, it's just someone shouting information at someone else that... Yeah, the other person's not really... Uh, yeah, engaged in. Okay, so... This is the socialist yes, yes, no um, for uh, any reply all fans. But okay, I think I now understand. Uh, um, I think I now kind of understand the meme. I, I still want more knowledge of this meme. But anyway, can you give me other examples of like where this meme was being used? What were the other jokes being made with this photo? Uh, I can't think of them. Um, yeah, I can't. Think. You weren't expecting this. Well, all sorts of stuff. Like, I don't know. You go on Twitter and you search for that kind of image, you'll definitely find it. It was, it was a big thing for about a week, like, you know. Uh, all right, all right, sure. Uh, okay, so I think I understand that. I think I now understand everything that happened. Uh, um, uh, then, so then the final thing is, what does it all mean from here? Like, what the government, like just before the doll went on break, the government lost its official majority. Um, obviously, Troy is still a TD and all. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be yeah. losing the whip or anything like that. But is are the wheels starting to come off the wagon a bit for the government? Um, uh, will this dent? Like, obviously, Martin backed him right up to the hill. So does that? Does he come out damaged as well? Um, yeah, I think they come out a bit damaged. I mean, damaged definitely in the eyes of ordinary people, but they probably already didn't like them. Um, there's now stories in the paper around how within Fianna Fáil, Martin's quest- judgment is being questioned, etc. Um, we'll see. I, I, I think it's 
it's it's bad for the government. It it re-highlights the reality of the housing crisis, the out-of-touch nature of the government, the fact that the government's made up of landlords and rules in the interests of landlords. Um, so I think it will add to the problems for uh, the government. Um, but they're... You know what I mean? They, they, they'll just try and get the show back on the road. They'll replace Robert Troy with someone else. Robert Troy goes to the back benches, continues to vote for them. Um, so they'll try and just keep moving. Um, I, I guess what can happen, I, I presume other journalists will now be thinking, hmm, are there other TDs who have also not registered interest and presumably will be doing some sniffing? And like, let, let's see, you know, there could be other controversies that are similar to, to this one that could cause uh, more damage uh, to the government. Um but yeah, I mean, for me, to be honest, like the main thing that can put pressure on the government and can really rock the government is if we can build substantial movement from below on the whole cost of living and housing crisis. Um, I think, you know, we can't wait for the next election. Lots of people would like to wait for the next election, think that there's a chance to get a government without Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Like, we think that's a very positive sentiment, but we can't wait. Ordinary people can't wait. Things are getting worse. So, like, the next big thing there is the cost of living coalition protest on the Saturday before the budget, the Saturday, the 24th of September, uh, meeting at half two at Parnell Square in Dublin. Oh, and, and it is, like, when the government, obviously not on the ropes, that might be an exaggeration, but taking a, they're taking a couple of hits now, uh, and they're definitely in a weaker position, that this is a good sort of time to then be hitting the streets mm-hmm. and piling on the pressure, uh, Um uh, and it does seem like, like I, the obviously there's a personal. He didn't fill in the forms. There's a technical aspect to this, but the political aspect to this whole crisis or scandal is that people are like pissed off with the housing policy, the government's pro landlord, pro developer housing policy, and this became like this became such a big deal because it sort of symbolised that whole thing. So, uh, if we could take some of the energy and the outrage around this and bring it out onto the streets on, on the cost of living and housing crisis, um, that would be uh, that would be great. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're uh, doing um, preparing for a stalls tomorrow and the cost of living crisis and for the cost of living coalition that was set up locally in, in Dublin South West. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a display, which is Robert Troy as, a, as the tip of the iceberg. And like, you know, he's a problem. But like the fundamental problem is the fact that we've got a landlord's government in a way like... You know, pressure has forced one landlord out of the government, but really we need a movement to kick the landlord's government as a whole uh, out. So hopefully people gain some confidence and some um, some anger. On the, on the optics of that, be very careful. If you're going to put Robert Troy's head on the tip of an iceberg, that, that could, that could image-wise, mm-hmm. seem a bit... Bit decapitation. Make sure, make sure it's not, it doesn't resemble a spike. <laughs> um, um, and uh, the final, final thing then on the like in the like the, I keep on wondering. Maybe it's but like in December, do we meant to have this switch over from mm-hmm. Martin to Veradker? Yeah. Um, in a sense, that means like Martin is kind of or sh- could become like a bit of a lame duck Taoiseach, like. Why would you, if Martin can't like promise you, oh, I'll look after that for you later now, he sort of has less wheeling dealing power now because his, his, his sort of clock is ticking down and you imagine that Fianna Fáil may look to replace him before the next general election as well. Uh, um, but could, the, like, I, 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 what do you think of the chances of like, do you think this government is running until 2024, 2025? Or do you think that like... Um, um, I, I, I think if you had to bet, unfortunately, I think it's more likely than not right now that they are 
heading for that. But just solely for the reason that kind of because they're so weak that like it makes sense for them to try to hang together. Um, if they go for an election now, they know they're both in trouble. Whereas if they hang off, they're ha- they're hoping that like something will happen to improve their their fortunes. Um, but I, I think the two obvious things that can disrupt that is one, some major controversy whereby like they just under so much pressure, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael take different positions and the whole thing falls apart. That's definitely possible. Or like a sufficient movement that again just puts real pressure on them. G- given their numbers being weak, you know, they, they are reliant on a whole range of you know, bad right-wing independent TDs to support them in terms of crucial votes. Um, and like the, the politics of these people is very bad, but if you had a sufficient movement on an issue... Um, then the fact that they're independents might mean that they're not willing to pay the political price themselves. Um, so that can... Or even, you think once once Varadkar's Taoiseach, like backbench Fianna Fáilers can come under a lot of pressure on this stuff as well, and mm-hmm. they'll be having one eye towards the general election, and the, the notion of pulling the rug from underneath Varadkar could... I don't know. You do think that like... The political instability at the top means that pressure from below mm-hmm. can have much more of an impact. Uh, um, I hope so. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, final, final thing then. Any, what are the priorities? You're presumably getting ready for a new Dáil term. Housing, cost of living crisis. Yeah, I think um, the two. That big protest. Any cost other of living crisis. Cost things? of living and housing crisis. And um, I think the other thing is that we're just we're facing a major energy crisis. I mean, you've incredible stuff from the government saying that... Uh, Sure, nobody warned us. Nobody warned us that we were going to run out of power. Like, that's bizarre. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we were in the doll like a year ago, putting forward a bill to ban future data centers, warning them. And we weren't making it up. We were basing it on various reports and so on. Like, um, whereas it's clear the government's, the government's approach to the energy crisis to push ahead with more data centers. Are you using currently 14% of all our electricity on track to use 30% by the end of the decade? Um, and then to kind of deal with the fact of like, we're on this like, escalating use of energy by then also using the Ukraine crisis to say, now we need to have this LNG, um, even though it's in the program for government not to have LNG. I, I think it's clear they're going to go for that. So I think we're going to be having important, you know, the issues of cost of living and the environmental crisis completely intersect on these questions of data centers and LNG. And I think the next year um, we'll see important struggles on these issues. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. All right, thanks, Paul, for joining us. Uh, thanks as well to all our listeners, um, especially those that are supporting us on, on Patreon. And I, I would really encourage people to join our Patreon. Like, we produce this podcast for free. We want to keep it that way. Um, we, we put every interview we do, every panel we record, we put it out there for, for, for people to hear. And we, we don't want to put anything behind the paywall. But to do that, we need people to chip in even a couple of euros a month towards our Patreon. So if you can, please do patreon.com forward slash rupture radio to support um, social media and to continue hearing explanations of the news and uh, educating me as to what uh, Twitter memes are. Um, the other, the final thing as well to announce is that the new issue of, of rupture is out soon. Um, this theme, this article will have a, this issue will have a theme of imperialism, a focus on imperialism. Uh, uh, articles on the debates on the left of the Ukraine war, uh, um, theories and how we theorise and understand imperialism today, the suppression of the Irish language, and the, an opinion piece arguing that uh, Ireland is best considered to be a neo-colony. Um, but we have other articles in there on uh, uh, rupture regulars, on climate uh, uh, change, on the uh, need for eco-socialists to be consistent on the 
question of, of turf, that's the, the peat boglands, um, rather than the uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Um, but we should be consistent on both. Uh, and there's, there's, uh, there is also an article in there on, on how we combat um, transphobia and the, the threat of the rise of transphobia as well. So that'll, that issue, new issue, should be out in a couple of weeks' time. It's available for pre-order now on rupture.ie. Um, so if you can, go on, subscribe now. You will be one of the first to receive it uh, and when it's out. Uh, um, and you can help, therefore, continue to grow Rupture. Um, and if you if you want to c- help us continue to build that eco-social alternative to the mainstream media, then, then please do subscribe. Okay, that's that's uh, all the hard sell for now, and uh, I'll see you all again soon, next week, hopefully. Bye. Bye. You wake up and your head's fucked. You sneak your trousers on and your last bit of makeup. Your last coat button falls away, flowing through